Hey everybody, it's Chris and Rick Talk Guitars, and today we have special guest Frank Gross, owner-operator of Thunder Road Guitars in West Seattle. And you have a location in Portland too, right? Correct, yeah. So I have enough to keep my hands full. Nice. Well, welcome, man. Uh, welcome. We go way back. Uh, we, we know Frank right. from way back when. Way, way back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've always been curious just kind of how you got started. I, I mean, I know the basics, but, you know, what was going through your brain? You, you were working at multiple music stores and, and playing in bands. And what what was the kind of impetus that kind of got you going and, and thinking you were going to do your own thing? Well, I've always been fascinated with guitars, you know, from a pretty young age and um, got a really cool opportunity when I was a teenager, as both of you guys know, to work uh, at Emerald. Um, yeah. with Ricky and Lou Hampton and Mike Davis and that whole crew. And just kind of that, I, I would say, kind of like grew this fascination with with guitars and instruments and rock and roll and music and everything. And, um, you know, the I would say the reason that we get into instruments is to play in a band, right? That's usually yeah. most of the time what, what people do. And I was really, really, really into the idea of doing that and doing nothing else. And um, I played in a number of bands and kind of chased that uh, get carrot for for like years and, you know, like would come back from the road and work at Emerald or for a little bit. I worked at Guitar Center, just kind of found myself doing that when I wasn't playing music. And I wouldn't say I was like particularly great at it. It was just something I enjoyed. And when I kind of decided that I was tired of trying to be a guy in a band and when i say a guy in a band i mean that's what, what my main focus in life was 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 yeah. being a guy in a band i thought you know you're kind of you're sitting there and you're like kind of counting your chickens and you're like what do i know how to do you know right. i didn't really do the college thing i didn't really you know i kind of always worked in music stores and so that was kind of the what i would say the spark was and then you know trying to figure out how you can start something like that with very little resources, you know, like I didn't really have like a large savings or investors or anything like that. So I basically took like the five guitars that I owned and took <laughs> pictures of them and put them on the website that I traded my buddy a base to build. And that was it. And we were off to the races. That's so um, cool, dude. Yeah. yeah. I, th I always thought you were smart to start online, no brick and mortar, just start online and get your feet under you. And then Sure well, enough. Yeah. And I think that that was two things. It was A, it was kind of out of necessity. Yeah. And B, it was a way to do it and just kind of see how it goes. You know, at that point when when I started doing it, I was I was all in. But at any moment, I could have just, you know, pulled the plug, so to speak, and say, okay, well, you know, this didn't really work. So I'm on to the next thing. And I've, I've, you know, throughout my life, I've done that a number of times in bands and jobs and, you know, this, that, and the yeah. other thing. So, um, I was fortunate enough that it was received pretty well by yeah. people that I know and friends and family and and that it just kind of started to take off. And, you know, here we are, what, like almost 12 years later, which is crazy to yeah. even think about. But, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. And it was a lot of fun back in those days. It was uh, a whole lot smaller of a wheel to turn, yeah. so to speak. And so would you back then when you were first like you're just totally online presence would you just go out to like yard sales and like guitar shows and things like how would you get your stuff at dude the i so i owned and ricky has seen this vehicle a 1986 or 87 volvo 240 dl that was like just beat to shit 
like literally <laughs> ran. So I was cruising around and like doing Craigslist and um, just trying to meet people and buy guitars. So I'd like pull up to a guitar deal in like a REI parking lot <laughs> with, you know, cash or whatever and go buy a guitar from whomever that, you know, Craigslist or Facebook marketplace or whatever. And that was a lot of the first, I would say like six months of, yeah. of having the website was, um, you know, I sold through like my little guitar collection that I had and took, you know, those five guitars and then bought seven and then sold those seven and bought nine and kind of, kind of really, really like slow progress, but in the right direction. So yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of that, a lot of, a lot of cruising around in that. I think somewhere I have a photo of a giant roll of bubble wrap in the, in the trunk of this Volvo. Right. So I had like a, a string from the tied from the top of the trunk to the bottom to hold the bubble wrap in. <laughs> and oh my that's God. just kind of how I rolled for, for at least for a little bit. I love that. Craigslist yeah. used to be like gold, like hunting for gold. Sometimes you could still find really good things. Not even with like 10 years ago. Sometimes I remember yeah. like a few Gibsons, like melody makers and stuff sneak through like 300 bucks or something like that. I, I definitely like, feel like in those early days, it was a lot easier to, yeah. Like you said, like, you know, on shop deals or something like that, uh-huh. where, you know, they, there wasn't as much of an internet, There's, the internet existed and people were using it for, you know, guitar e-commerce, but it wasn't like it is now. Right. Um, you know, I think we were in business for almost a year before Reverb existed and thinking back to how things operated then to now, it's like very, very, you know, very different. Yeah, Reverb was the big player. It was like Gbase before that and eBay. Yep. Like yeah. Well, Gbase, eBay, and Craigslist yeah. like were the three the three things. And I feel like what what Reverb did was kind of take the eBay crowd and the Craigslist crowd and give people like a legitimate platform to buy and sell uh, musical instruments. So, right, man, that's very exciting. So it's like, wow. I kind of remember when before you had your first store, and I remember your first store on California all the way down the other way, that little tiny shop. I'm, yeah. We're going in there. So yeah. we opened that store in 2012 was when the brick and mortar version of Thunder Road started. And the only other music store that's ever been in West Seattle, uh, or at least in, you know, like the last 30 years, um, was a store called Mix Vintage Guitars. I remember that. Um, and... I was too young. I, you know, I, I yeah. wasn't even born when his store was open, but uh, their original store was two doors down from where my original store was. Literally, oh, that's so cool. And uh, in the cement in front of their store, they have a so like a big muff or a, a fuzz face or something is like ingrained in the cement in front of where their store was. <laughs> wow, I'm gonna check it out. Sometime. So that's when awesome. I opened. First off, I had people coming in asking if I was affiliated or if I knew him or anything. And uh, um, being in the business, like I'd heard the name and heard some stories and stuff, but I never met the man. And then, you know, people would ask, oh, did you see the, you know, the the fuzz box that's literally in the in the cement two doors down from you? And it's still there, which is. Wow, which is cool. that, yeah. I w- yeah. I want to say that I know that. That was like three or four years now that since you moved to your current location, which is which is awesome because you own that building now, right? Yeah. So that I was remember the location just before that, right down like kitty corner from the record store. I was yep. so bummed when they kind of made you guys get out of there. I'm psyched that you got your own place now because that's even cooler. Yeah. 
But I'm that like, what? West Seattle, we have like a world-class record store on the corner and the <laughs> corner, we have a world-class guitar shop. I'm like, that's my town. It was like amazing. Sure. That was a really fun period. And that was a really cool, there was a lot, there was a lot of growth in that period going from the first store that we were in to the the one in the junction. And um we had a re- lot of really good times there. <laughs> we yeah. I really liked being right there in the middle of everything. I think that when we were put in the position we were to move, I kind of did it kicking and screaming a little bit. I really, really didn't want to. And it was kind of a a little bit survival and a little bit just trying to think about 20 years down the road and not necessarily the next like two weeks or two two years. Our location now is awesome. Our our business has grown, you know, tenfold since we were in the junction spot. Um, But I do still miss being there and I miss having Easy Street right there and, you know, all the food options. And so it's not that far. It's, you know, it's about 10 bucks, but it makes a difference. Yeah. Well, and how cool to own your own building and not have to worry about some landlord parking. For sure. And and I don't, you know, I've I've told that story a thousand times, but and I don't want to say anything bad about the fellow. But um, that was really what happened was just the classic, you know, I've signed a bad lease and didn't really know that I signed a bad lease yeah. because I never signed a commercial lease before. And, yeah. you know, so there was some learning <laughs> with that, but we just were put in a position where I think the fellow that we were renting from could see that we were doing really well. Yeah. Um, his reaction to that was, okay, well you're doing well. So I'm, I'm, I, you know, yeah. I, I want to where's my cut. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm an old punk rocker and I, I, I think that's, <laughs> bullshit (laughs) i was i was willing to move out of there and pay a little bit more to not have to deal with with that that kind of person like having yeah that person in charge of where you are yeah i love it i mean it sucks that that's gone but um you know it's not like you said it's not that much further and it's doing better than ever so yeah really grateful that we we took that leap and it's been nothing but great how's the portland store doing Good. We actually got broken into. Uh, uh, I was going to mention saw that, dude. I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> oh, horrible. But, uh, yeah. So um, it wasn't. You know, it could have been a lot worse, and yeah. luckily nobody got hurt, and nothing that is irreplaceable was taken, and it's all insured. But um, the store's doing great. We're fifth year in in downtown Portland, um, and we actually uh, moved that store in twenty early 2022 to a bigger location. Nice. And that's been a lot of fun. It's, uh, you know, my partner, Will, basically runs and operates and owns the Portland location, is a great dude to work with. And we, you know, constantly have ideas scheming up about, you know, different brands we want to work with or, you know, different guitar shows we want to hit and stuff. So it's that's awesome. It's a good relationship. And Portland, despite being really close to Seattle, definitely has its own, like, Oh, yeah. characters and vibe yeah. and um it's everybody's a- high huh? <laughs> a lot of pot and they don't stand up, but <laughs> yes yeah. buy a lot of cars. um but it's uh it's a cool yeah it's a cool cool neighborhood and uh we're really happy to be hanging out down there and slinging guitars that's awesome yeah every time i go down there i stop in to that no i probably haven't seen the new shop but yeah i used to go down and see will when he was down there and yeah, his original store was, I think, maybe maybe even a little bit smaller than our original store. Which it was small. Yeah, but it was That's, cool. It was a yeah. very cool. Yeah, it was really yeah. nice uh, area space. Yeah. Yeah, I dug it. 
Well, I was going to say, when you're talking about like you and Will brainstorming, I absolutely love your little advertisements that show up. <laughs> they're so perfect. Everybody involved. It's just like, yeah. they always, they're always so, they're so perfect. And I mean, it's just like the essence of, you get the essence of your shop. And yeah. Well, I can't take full credit for that. We have a fellow on staff that that's what he does is just does video content for the store. And, you know, we live in a social media driven age. And a lot of the stores that we know or that we look up to do some some variation of, of video. Right. And, you know, for Ryan, who does our video content, has been on staff for a couple of years now. We've been kind of trying to find a way that we can create content that A, that people want to watch and uh, B, that gets people to the website and gets them into the store. Yeah. And we've done, you know, like the demo videos and we've done videos of guitar shows that we do and those have done decent like they you know it, it, people talk about them and are like hey we saw your video and this that and the other thing um but it wasn't really until we started doing the i would say the videos that we started doing maybe a couple months ago where it's kind of showcasing a portion of, of the business in a comical yeah, and those are the ones uh, transparent way you yeah, know yeah. we were like the whole idea was let's let's create these videos that are, you know, kind of funny, but show people what happens in the store on a daily basis and and maybe breaks down a little bit of the barrier between what people think happens in a guitar store or retail setting, what actually happens. So far, they've been pretty well received. And I think that people um, have had uh, much more, much more to say about those videos than anything else that we've done social media wise. That's so awesome. yeah, I enjoy them too. And I, the thing I like about it is you, you're not trying to copy anybody else's content. You're just trying to come up with original ideas and and let your own personalities shine through, which I which really resonates and really comes through. Yeah, I'm digging yeah. the new bass. Well, I'm digging the new bass ones. The yeah, five, five those, reasons those guys, this bass is awesome, or, or some those uh, guys five, are awesome. Five reasons this bass rules. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I um, love that bit. Yeah, you know, and it's we're I think most for the most part friendly a friendly crew and you know being able to show that to people and yeah because you know, I, I think a lot of times people if they've never been in a guitar store or a you know s- tattoo shop or something that's kind of like a small business that can seem intimidating mm-hmm. you know sometimes people walk in and they're intimidated and they don't even really know why and yeah. i think that if they even through social media feel like they have seen the people that work in the store, feel like they know the people from from our social media content, it helps break down that barrier a little bit and makes them feel comfortable in the store. And um, even if they're not buying anything, just being in and, you know, not feeling like, in, in, you know, intimidated or anything like that. That's correct. Right. Yeah, the videos are, they're fun. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but uh, like I said, I people seem to, seem to like them. I love that your store seems to be really into like things. There's a, There's kind of this perception that like with vintage collectible stuff, like let's say erector sets or something, as soon as those people that play with them when their kids die, they lose their value. You know what I mean? So <laughs> nobody wants, no, erector set used to be $350 now. It's like, who the, who the fuck wants it? Yeah. But guitars, like your, your store is really into guitars like Travis Bean and all these yeah. weird things that nobody else would even know about now. And it's like introducing all these new young up and coming guitar players to all that stuff because you give it kind of the same props that you would as like the newest thing from Gibson or something. You know what yeah. I mean? All those weird 
classic brands that nobody would otherwise know about. And that's something we've done pretty much since day one. And, you know, a, a little like secret or maybe not a secret, but um, some of that was just out of necessity because like that's what the store could afford to buy right. was, you know, some of the more oddball stuff and weird stuff. And um, as much as we all love like 50s and 60s era Fenders and Gibsons, sometimes some of that stuff is out of reach for, you know, especially like a store like us when we were first getting started. So I've always had a fascination with the weird shit and the, you know, the odd guitars and pointy guitars and (laughs) all sorts of stuff like that. And I think that we, we, I always say that we try to do a little bit of everything and it's hard to do a little bit of everything, but we really do. We really try to have the cool old stuff, the cool weird stuff, um, the curated modern and new stuff that we do from some of the brands that we carry, you know, we get, we get a lot of, I guess, compliments on, you know, the variety of instruments in the store. And we really try to cater to a little bit of everybody, which, you know, you can't make everybody happy, but but we, we certainly try to have a cool selection of cool guitars. That's the other thing I admire about successful guitar store owners is how they're able to be, to have respect. I mean, cause I'm so opinionated. I've been playing guitar so much. And it's like, Oh, that guitar, I hate that guitar or, or something like that. And it's like, you have to be more, open to that. I mean, I have a wide range of things I like, but I'm pretty, you know, pretty opinionated about stuff. And you just seem to like, just be able to appreciate it, what it is for what it is. And I think that's really cool and really important. Well, and I think the the reality is too, is there's, there's an instrument for everybody and something that I might think is really cool. Somebody else might just think is the worst guitar in the world and vice versa. So I think having a, uh, a wide scope of, of things that, you know, there's definitely some things that we really don't want in the store. <laughs> um, I would say that list is pretty low. Um, right. Yeah. It's, you know, usually we like cool stuff that you might not see everywhere and then some stuff that you will see everywhere. So, well, are you seeing any trends lately in terms of like, well, so, or, oh, go ahead. So, so you just brought up, um, what did you say? You said uh, when, you know, like uh, baseball cards, when, you know, all the, or not baseball cards, but, you know, Star Wars. Yeah, or just some sort of old when, toy that's kind of yeah. died when, out. When all those, out. when all those guys die, nobody's going to care. And I talked to my, my buddy Trevor about that quite a lot because we're nice. two of the, the younger guys, I would say, that are doing this. When we, yeah. you know, when I go to guitar shows, I'm probably one of the younger owners by by a good 20 or 30 years That's so cool um a lot of the you know a lot of those guys are older and they've been doing it for a long time and the the question that often gets 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 asked is you know when those guys are gone like what's going to happen to these shows are they going to continue to happen when the people that are buying you know the the 50s and 60s era fenders and gibsons and stuff that really care about them when those, those guys are gone is there still going to be a vintage guitar market um, and my answer to that is who knows, you know, I mean, I don't know. I know that I really like that stuff. And I know that I have clients and friends and, and customers that are my age or younger that are into old guitars. Yeah. So I don't know if they'll ever, it'll, if, if it'll ever disappear, like, you know, beanie babies or something, we're just like <laughs> here to do one tomorrow. But I think that the, the trends might change, you know, the things yeah. that people are willing to really pay up for might change at some point and it might be something that me you or you know anybody wasn't really prepared to see happen 
Right. Maybe the highest ticket items. But if you go on YouTube, you'll see 100,000 like 15 year olds playing like ACDC, you know, in bands and stuff. It's yeah. like, you know, it's like jazz. It hasn't really died out. You know what I mean? It's like those class. I kind of feel like the classic instruments are going to be the, you know, are already the instruments that everything's going to be based on from here forward as far sure. as the guitars. But it's true. It is a good question. Are they still going to be like, is a Les Paul still going to be $250,000? That's yeah. the question, you know? So it's a, it's a big question. And, you know, like I said, nobody has a crystal ball, but well, that's what everybody talks about. Like, yeah, well, I like it, people that are talking about like maybe buying like a $5,000 Gibson as an investment. I'm like, that's a pretty shitty investment. I mean, and, I mean, and I think that, you know, I mean, everybody has their reasons they buy instruments. Some people buy them for investments. Some people buy them to make records and go on tour. Uh -huh. Some people buy them to as a clout thing, you know, so they can like post a picture of it on Instagram. But I would hope that people will continue to buy them because they really love it. You know, yes, exactly. and like I like selling guitars to people that are, they love the instrument and they're going to do something with it and they're going to yeah. record some music with it. And I hope that that doesn't just turn into, you know, a little bit of the, I'm just buying it because, you know, it's an investment or this, that, or the other thing. And I, I really kind of always try to tell people like, don't buy a guitar because you think it's going to be worth a bunch of money or, you know, like buy it. And if it's worth nothing tomorrow, you still love it for what it is. And um, plus, it, you know, if you buy it for the, you know, and then you don't even want to play, play it because this is like an investment. And it's like, that's not, you know, that's not good for an instrument. I mean. Well, yeah. it's interesting to think about the paradigm shifts that happen. Chris and I talk about it all the time, too. It's like the vintage market. It's like what's weird to see over the course of time is instruments that were once considered student instruments or not worth anybody's time or like 70s guitars, especially Fenders, now fetching, you know, r really good money. To me, that all of that is just so interesting to see because like juniors and uh, melody makers and all that other stuff at one time were not desirable at all until, yeah. you know, and there were Starcasters for that matter. I mean, I loved Starcasters when I, back in the seventies, because I had a Fender book and I saw the damn thing and it's like, oh, that's a cool guitar. But, you know, but I, those things were, you know, nobody wanted I didn't, I didn't know what a Starcaster was until I met you. <laughs> nice. I swear. I, I, I just, because Fender, <laughs> Fender does a like really, really, really inexpensive like Walmart guitar that they sell through yeah right and stores, it's a pack yeah the they have packages too like the starcaster and, and i always just assumed that's what a starcaster was and you're like no he's crazy he's talking yeah. about walmart well, i am crazy that's true yeah but it's true you know some stuff that for a long time nobody wanted and you know i've been doing yeah. this since the early 2000s and i was 16 when i started working at emerald so i've been able to see like how things have gone up and gone down and changed yeah. in that short period of time and some things that you couldn't give away back then, now people go crazy for and vice versa. You know, um, you know, like I would say a perfect example of that right now is, you know, the early 2000s, I feel like everybody that wanted an old Fender amp wanted a twin reverb or a super reverb. Oh, and man. anything else was like nobody wanted anything to do with it. Any like Princeton's or uh, Vibrochamps or any, anything like that. It's like they were just disposable garbage you know and they're not but that's that's how people exactly like reacted to them it was like they're they're toys and that tide has shifted so hard in the other direction now where everybody wants the small you know portable good sounding 
old fenders and the big stuff like is kind of not necessarily irrelevant i mean people still obviously buy them and use them and there's there's a purpose but i would say a vast majority of the amplifier buyers are not people that are buying twins or supers or you know there's like you know the big set the big 70s basement stack yeah it's like mm-hmm. basement head and it's i think it's a 212 cab but it's like the size it's of a huge yeah <laughs> like if somebody walked into the store with one of those tomorrow they couldn't give it to me yeah. i wouldn't take it for free yeah <laughs> that would be completely awesome if you had a studio or something you could leave yeah. a they're great apps that's like everybody shifts and they just automatically it's like so focused on okay that's not it i have no interest at all it's not even cool and it is yeah. still really cool the basement like head is one of the best guitar amplifiers oh, ever oh, made yeah. Yeah, that will always be. That's all you need if you want to just not fuck around with gear for the rest of your life. Just get one, and you can do anything with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like trends. People get laser focused. I was just talking to Rick earlier about on the Groon Guitar Facebook page. They posted a beautiful, pristine '73 Fender Stratocaster, right? In, in um, an Olympic white, I think it was, but it's all yellow. It's a beautiful guitar. It's '73. It's you know CBS whatever. And just like the first post is like '70s guitars are crap. It's like Somebody raising their hand going, I don't know anything about electric guitars. Here's my thought. Jenny, sure, there's things different. A a 50s Stratocaster is different than a 60s Stratocaster. They're both cool. A 70s Stratocaster is cool. A good 70s Stratocaster is just as cool in its own way. There's some things that aren't done as well. The bridge is different and whatnot. But just to write off an entire era of guitars, because you saw on the Internet, someone said that 70s Strats are can be problematic or something. Yeah, the internet is full of the internet is full of opinionated people. I know. <laughs> no. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think there's great guitarists from every era, and I think there's totally poor guitarists from every era too. And you, like you said, somebody read on a forum once that so their buddy so and so said that certain guitars are bad, and that doesn't necessarily that's not necessarily true. Um, yeah but people love telling you that it is. <laughs> Just go by, me- I mean, there's measurable things. I mean, CBS Stratocasters, you can measure things. It's like, oh, holy shit, look at the neck pocket on this. They, you know, yeah. they were pretty sloppy here, you know, or this is a really dead sounding guitar, it's super heavy. And then there's some that are super light, super resonant, and it's just completely musical instrument. It's like, yeah, yeah. Take it on its own terms. But... Well, to your point earlier, Frank, too, I always thought about that in terms of, these guitars that become so expensive that, you know, just working musicians that aren't superstars, you know, the closest they'll get to a, a guitar maybe now is a reissue or, a, you know, and it's, it's kind of sad to me, you know, I mean, but I mean, it's just the natural order of things, but, you know, I think about the old days when, you know, you could get a junior or whatever for a fairly reasonable price. And that, that could be your main axe, you know, or, or even like, yeah. you know, the, the, uh, the Gretsch's like, I think you've got a silver jet or you had a cool silver jet. Um, I do. The guard, the garbage bag guitar. Love that guitar. I, in a garbage bag. <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I think about that and it, it kind of bums me out, you know, just to think that, you know, as, as time just keeps progressing, like, you know, the, the average musician that starts a band in a, any city and, you know, sees this guitar. Oh God, I'd love to have a, a real 60 something, you know, guitar. It's like, well, yeah. good luck, you know, so. Get a melody maker. You can still get a melody maker. Yeah, yeah, you can still get a melody maker. That's the, um, great guitar. Well, the, the um, you know, for a long time, people 
with those old guitars, if they couldn't buy a straight one, they would get a refinished one or one that maybe had been there you out go. Yeah. or something. Like a but that model. market has even gotten pretty nutty, you yeah. know, and not too long ago, I feel like it was still pretty reasonable. Yeah. And I would say this, you know, this guitar surge that we've been in for the last, you know, pretty much since like COVID broke out, yeah, the whole just, market just went nuts. And yeah, the one true. before that was right before the economy just collapsed in what 2008 um the one the one thing that i would say that is different about this surge versus that surge uh is a the you know refinished and kind of the the bastardized guitars so to speak back then were still cheap you know despite the the 100 ones going for a lot of money mm-hmm. the the market for refins and this that and the other thing was still like pretty low compared to that and now those guitars have gotten really, really, really expensive. And the the buyer pool is a lot bigger and wider than I think it used to be. And when I say that, a lot of like a lot of our clientele is tech workers in, uh, in you know in the Seattle area. Interesting. And some of those guys didn't play in 2008 and didn't collect guitars in 2008 and didn't weren't there for that. So this is, you know, the the hype and the surge that they're seeing right now. And it's just strange to see like a, you know, 1965 Strat that was rattle canned in somebody's garage and then was sent off to somebody to make it look right again, going for like $25,000. Totally. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, when they like orbital sand it too, that's the thing. Like yeah. it doesn't even have the same shape anymore. <laughs> yeah. I've seen a couple of those too. I'm like, well, how is this going for that? And people are like, yeah, that's what they're going for. And so are you saying oh, this this surge is kind of was spawned by the pandemic? Is that what- Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think that guitar prices in general were, were kind of heading in a upward um, upward momentum, but it was really slow. Yeah. Uh, and when I say that pre COVID for years, if we got in same year, make and model, you know, and we had, let's say a 1957 music master in desert sand with the gold anodized pick card for uh, uh, like years, I would just say, okay, well, what did we sell the last one for? We sold the last one for X amount. So that's what we're going to sell this one for. And when the pandemic hit, it was like this perfect storm of people working, people working from home or people, you know, that can't go to work, but are still being paid to sit at home. Um, The government stimulus money, boredom, just everything just stirred into a pot and people just went nuts buying guitars. And because the world was so to speak shut down like we weren't doing guitar shows i didn't have people bringing guitars into the store to sell or trade so there was this weird scarcity with with used and vintage guitars so the prices just went went nuts and it seemed like every couple weeks they were more you know the the same guitar was like here's a here's an example we did the first guitar show we did after uh 2020 i think it was 2021 and we went to a guitar show and i was paying more for guitars same year making models in 2021 than we were selling them for in 2020. <laughs> if that you, you kind of follow yeah. what i'm saying yeah, that's a lot. so we we're you know we we're paying more for them than we we're selling them for and it was like wow that just Crazy. everything you know so that i feel like has slowed down a little bit in the last yeah. maybe six to eight months just with kind of everything that's going on in the world but the the covid spike i mean if you talk to anybody that is in the business that 
was paying attention when when those during that time it was it was crazy yeah, I was. I bought a guitar during that time. Yeah, <laughs> you did. You I bought a. I knew at the time I'm probably paying a thousand dollars more. Did you get the ES guitar? guitar? I think it's the three thirty-five or three forty-five. Three forty-five. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's right. I didn't care. I'm like, you know what? I can afford it. You're gonna die. You might as well die with a cool guitar. <laughs> right? Yeah. But I did. I did think later, like, boy, I bet you I could have gotten this for probably a thousand dollars less if it wasn't for the stupid fucking COVID. Yeah. <laughs> you got the COVID bump. On the yeah. price. Still, oh my God. It seemed like everything was kind of doing that though. Like oh, we yeah. have in West Port Seattle, Port. we have a, a cool bicycle and snowboard shop that's been in business since I was a teenager. You know, they're the same thing. They're like, we can't keep bikes in stock, we can't keep snowboards in stock. It seemed like anything that somebody could do on their own, like yeah. guitar or collect guitars or go snowboarding was was just going bonkers. Yeah, what a weird, what a weird couple of years. Oh man, you know. Well, um, are you playing? Are you're playing in a band now too, aren't you? So I'm, I'm, I'm. I have a few things that I'm doing. So I'm playing in a band with my friend Aaron, who uh, I played in on the last day with, and who is responsible for the design of our website and our store's branding and everything. Um, nice. We've been buddies for a long time, and yeah so I'm play, he's he's playing bass in the band and a few other guys that I've known for a long time that are all either dads or uh, on the path to being dads. <laughs> so it's uh, super super low key um, Dad rock. And, uh, lots of fun. We've recorded some music and we've played a couple shows and um, there's no aspiration to do anything other than that. Just have fun. Uh, just That's have fun cool, yeah. Dude. So I'm doing that. And then you guys know Chad, who runs the bass shop in my store? I know him, of him. Yeah. yeah. So, so Chad co-owned Bass Northwest in Pioneer yeah. Square for yeah. 20, 25 years or whatnot. And um, I'm playing in a band with him called Dad, speaking of dads, that does, uh, you know, uh, classic rock covers. And Dude, so I love it. It sounds like the name, Dad. So Where do you guys play? Uh, we just did the, my first gig with them was a couple weeks ago at uh, one of their buddies' fiftieth birthday party. So, are you going to play any clubs as dad? Or? I think so, um, I they do every year. They do a like a thing in West Seattle called West Fest. That's like oh, yeah, a, yeah. they do. They've done that. Um, I think they've done Summerfest and stuff. So I just started playing with them in the last couple months, but. Yeah, I'm I'm probably playing more music now than I I have in in a few years. Good, I like. I think that once you get settled in, you get to that point where you've had your wild oats of playing music and like that. Yeah, we're gonna make it. Let's tour, do all this stuff, and then you settle back in and go out and start playing again. Playing just like dives, and it's the funnest it's ever been. I mean, I have more fun now than all those sold out tractor shows, whatever you happen to be playing, like the big shows. Now it's like. It's just fun. It's a no drama. I mean, everybody's older. They don't have time for drama. So it's, you know, it's, it's awesome. And the the band that I was playing in with Trevor, the Hollers was, was kind of supposed to be that it was supposed to be like a fun, like, let's just record some music and play, you know, play some shows and stuff. And it kind of like took like gained some traction in a weird way. And we were getting like radio play and like had lots of people coming out to our gigs and stuff. And, and then it kind of imploded, but that was never supposed to be any of that. Interesting. <laughs> and it just kind of turned into it. And um, I'm grateful for that. It was a lot of fun and it was yeah. a cool band, but it was just like this accidental, like everybody that was in the band was like, yeah, I don't really want to like try to make this a thing. And um, I'd done that a bunch. So I was really interested in it not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> 
and uh yeah so now the the, the band that i'm in like there's just no way <laughs> which is all right i'm okay with that i have a question i like to ask anybody who i'm always curious if anybody working and owning a, a guitar shop is what is in your personal quiver and does it change often do you just see something that comes in and goes i gotta take this for a while and you just kind of put it in your stash for a while and then move it on or yeah so uh, over the years that's that 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 question would be answered differently but there was a a few years where i, I would tell myself like okay i'll like take home one guitar a year Right. I'll pick one that I really like or whatnot. And then we just kind of had this run where something would come in and we would take it in trade or it would be bought with a, you know, a pile of guitars. And it was like something that I've always been into, you know, whether it be like a junior or a jazz master or a J45 or something. And it happened to be like a really nice one. And when I say really nice, like 100 percent, like really clean. And I, I just kind of had this run of just kind of like the guitars would come in and I'd look at it and the case would close and it would go in back. Uh, and, and, um, it got a little out of control, like a little bit. Yeah. So last fall I took maybe like half a dozen guitars to a guitar show that were, were some of those and offloaded them. But, uh, the current mainstays are, uh, my 59 junior. That's a double cut that I love and, uh, will either go to my kids or I'll be buried with. That's so um, <laughs> by uh silver jet that you brought up the love trash it. bag guitar love that guitar um, that thing's so cool it's so much fun and it's like probably the worst playing guitar that i own yeah but it's just so freaking cool it's so dude. cool it sounds awesome too but it's you know old gretches are especially 50s they're gretches, weird man funky. those old gretches kinda, are strange guitars man they're kind of clunky and they're not particularly great instruments yeah but that thing is just like it's easily again one of the coolest looking guitars and you know it has a cool story and i'm a sucker for a cool story so um but that guitar and i have a 55 junior that looks like it was drugged behind the back of a pickup truck Um, it's never been broken that i love and i would say those are like kind of the mainstay guitars and then like things will come in and out of my orbit that you know i'll hang on to for a little bit and then maybe move along that's oh, awesome. I have, a, I have a, a 68 Paisley Telly. That's a, a more recent acquisition. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, you got to have a Fender. So that's yeah. a good one. That's, it is a good one. It's a James Burton guitar. Yeah. Sweet. I've always kind of been enamored with those, but you see them and they're kind of usually destroyed or messed with. And I came across this one like years ago. This fellow was in the store selling us a J45 and a uh, SJ200. And we're talking and he's like, you know, I got an old Paisley Telly. And you know, here's my name and number. So of course I called him like a week later, you know, no reply, no call back, nothing. And I kind of put it out of, out out of orbit. And, uh, last year sometime, this guy called and we're talking and he brings it up and I'm like, I remember you. And I remember that guitar. And he's like, yeah, I think I'm finally ready to let go of it. And I also have an old strap that I want to get rid of too. So, um, he brought them both in and we sold the strat and I kept the telly. (laughs) And um, I'm not much of a telly player, but uh, it's a cool guitar, and it's, it's a super cool. It's, yeah. yeah, those are some of the current mainstays that are uh, that I love. I love it. Well, what what was your first guitar? What's the first real guitar you ever had? Give me a second, I'll go get it. Got it. Oh, I love it, dude. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Dude. This is a uh, 19. Uh, here, I'll move the camera so you guys can see it. Uh, 1987 Strat. 
that uh, my father bought from Emerald City Guitars when I was 11 or 12. Wow, my God, um, dude. A, a silver face twin. And it didn't look like this when I got it. It was uh, just like three single coils and like a traditional strat setup. And, you know, being a shit shit teenager, you know, you want you want to personalize your guitar. Oh, totally, man. So I've had this and like, you know, all the like stuff I played in, all the bands I played in when I was a teenager, this was kind of the, the guitar. I and, love that you still have it, dude. Yeah, it's probably I the probably most- saw that guitar. That was probably the era when I was down at Emerald City when he bought that. Probably was. I think it was 99 or 98. Yeah, um, that was right. I was up there until 99. I was down yeah. there. I remember, I, was, I remember your dad. He went to, I think he went to one of my first, one of the bands at the time. He went to one of our first shows at the, yeah. the Jewel Box in that little club in downtown or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That was a cool spot. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I was in sixth grade or seventh grade, sixth grade. And I came home from school one day and that was sitting there in the living room and I was, I was pretty, pretty excited. So, so cool. it ever since. And I, it's probably the most valuable instrument I own. And when I say valuable, it's not like, monetarily valuable but um if my house was burning down i would run in after the kids and pets and everything were gone i would try to try to grab that i love that See, that's what you that's what you mentioned when you were talking about the break-in you had it's like it's it's thankfully that that's like and you mentioned things being irreplaceable there's like 300 guitars that are irreplaceable you know what i mean it just yeah. depends on the story of them and that's what's so cool about a guitar but also thinking about that story what kind of a dumbass like Rob's guitar. That's like robbing like paintings or something. It's, it's like you can't sell thing. them. I mean, it's no. like them in their basement. Like was well, it Junior with like a um a Floyd Rose or something? Okay, so, so, so here's the story. So these guys took so the store the um I guess main guitar room in in the Portland store. Uh, there's a wall of Gibsons and then there's a wall of Gretsch guitars and then we have a glass case and inside that glass case was a '55 Junior with an EMG. And a Floyd Rose, somebody stubbed <laughs> on it, right? So it's kind of like a like a punk, like hey, like we have a glass case with a totally bastardized '50s era Gibson, right? And people see that and they're like, get offended. They're like, did you guys do this? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the folks that broke in, we have you know camera footage of them in front of the store, sitting in their car, and they get out and then they kind of peek through the windows. And this went on for maybe an hour before they eventually made their move. And I think that they saw that guitar in the case and just assumed that it was this prized, you know, burst or something. And um, and then they saw the the Gretches that they took were master built Gretches that are you know six seven eight thousand dollars, and that's what they took. You know, they took the Junior, those Gretches, I think three Gretches, and then two inexpensive Fender guitars. And um, the Juniors, it's cool, but it's not. You know, they're not going to get, nobody's going to give them anything for it. Yeah. And then the Gretches, you know, a lot of the the value that's tied up in, you know, the really, really high-end Fender Custom Shop or Gretsch Custom Shop is having all the shit, the COA, all that, all that stuff. And obviously they don't, they're not going to have any of that. They don't have the case or anything. So I would anticipate that if they're like, you know, toting these around Portland, trying to offload them, like nobody's going to, and on top of that, we like, you know, we blasted the word out to all the stores right. down there in pawn shops yeah. and stuff. Um, I think that they're going to have a really hard time finding somebody to give them anything for them. Or I hope. I I, I agree with that. It's like, what are you going to do with it? You're not going to be able to play it. (laughs) Having your bedroom, like in your man cave or something. (laughs) And we had, we had big plans for that junior just between us. So 
uh, well, us and, and your guys' listeners. Um, so that guitar was bought at a guitar show from our buddy Bobby, who has River City Guitars in Spokane. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. And Will, who has the Portland store, bought it from him. And me, him, and Trevor, and a few other, a few other guys kind of all decided collectively that this guitar will be passed around from store to store, but it'll never be sold on the open market. So they might walk into like my store and see it, or they might walk into Emerald or Mike and Mike's or like just kind of traveling around the Seattle area, but never actually offered on the open market. That's awesome. And like a gnome or something, right? Yeah. And we just kind of all got a kick out of it. And we're like, this is going to be awesome. Like people are going to see this guitar and like the internet and in stores and like, why is this thing not for sale? And (laughs) it's kind of like a a giant, uh, I don't know. It's just something to do. <laughs> oh, that would be cool. I like yeah, that idea. Back. I have. A, I I predict it'll be back. I think so. I think that that's a pretty unique guitar. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I would um, think. And uh, you know, again, I don't think anybody. You know, if they drug that into a store that you know didn't didn't know us or something or wasn't really paying attention, and they see it, like nobody in their right mind is going to give them anything for it. Right. You know. Oh man. Yeah. So well, what to what what things are uh in the near future for do you have anything in the hopper like idea wise for, for the stores or well, so um you know we were talking about COVID during during that period when we couldn't really get cool vintage stuff and cool cool used stuff and we d- weren't doing guitar shows, we kind of leaned pretty heavily into doing new stuff. So we do Fender, Fender Custom Shop, Gretsch, Jackson, Charvel. We we started doing Gibson and with those brands, we have kind of a understanding that we can kind of order the things that we want and we get to curate the the selection in our stores and we don't want to just take anything. Um, yeah. And with that, they, you know, a number of those brands have let us do like exclusive Thunder Road style runs. So we've done a number of them with Gibson. Um, we've done a few of them with Gretsch. And we really like doing those because I feel like you can, you know, you can go into a guitar center and see every new Gretsch guitar, every new Gibson guitar. Um, But the stuff that we've been doing with those companies, you don't, you don't see those in, you know, guitar center or musicians friend. So um, we'll probably continue doing those. I'm going to the Dallas guitar show next week and I'm hoping to bring back a bunch of really cool, great vintage stuff. What else? I think those are kind of the big ones. You know, nice. continuing to get cool, cool vintage stuff in. Like I said, we're doing the Dallas show, and then we have a another four or five guitar shows that we do throughout the year. So those are those are kind of a big way for us to accumulate a number of cool used and vintage guitars all at once and bring yeah. them, drag them back to the Pacific Northwest. That's awesome. Um, get them. The yeah. guitar show is still pretty good in terms of turnout and and. You know, or is it? I I think they are. I think that it's it's all about expectations, and I think that a lot of the older crowd remembers when the the guitar shows were kind of guitar shows were kind of like what reverb is now. You could go and like so much, and you know, with with the internet now and the number of stores and everything, they're not what they were in you know maybe the eighties and nineties and early two thousands. For us, it's a big way to meet people, get the word out about the stores and um acquire cool guitars so we don't really go to sell stuff i mean we bring some inventory to you know do trades or whatnot but most of what we go for is to to try to buy a bunch of guitars and 
that's our expectation with those shows. And it's been, it's worked out pretty well. But I know talking to some of the older guys, like, this isn't anything like it used to be. <laughs> used to get free gold when you get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we like but, to shout uh, Yeah, the shows are fun. It's a lot of work. You know, we go and like I said, we're, we're there for three or four days and it's just, you know, game on, <laughs> so to speak. We're is it fun for you? Or is it just work, a lot of work? Or It's, it's fun. It's work. Um, I mean, there's a lot of... There's a lot that goes into us doing the, especially the out-of-state ones. You know, yeah. the in-state ones, it's a lot easier to, you know, schlub a few guitarists down to the Tacoma Dome and do that. But the uh, the out-of-state ones, there's flights and hotels and, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, a driver that we're paying to haul everything back. So, um, you know, mathematically, we, we have to come back with X amount of guitarists. So that's kind of, when we do those shows, kind of looms over my head for yeah. the first two days until we've acquired x number of guitars and then and then i can kick my feet back a little bit but it's fun it's a fun thing to do and you know as long as they continue to work well for us i think we'll keep doing them yeah and i remember i I remember what was the 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 seattle center shows do you remember those rick yeah yeah and then there was the ones that we would do at uh like the eagles lodge down in yes yeah, down in Georgetown. <laughs> yes, I went to one of those jobbies, yeah. man. Those were uh, yeah. I haven't gone to a lot, but I, yeah, I've gone to a few, and I was just kind of felt overwhelmed, you know. Like, you know, I can't imagine going to Nam. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, it's we, just that's all, like a lot of new stuff too. That would probably be like migraine inducing for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, is, we did Nam one year, and it was like the southern california guitar show we do happened to be the same weekend that nam was going on so we were already going down for the guitar show and we thought well you know we we just we at that point we had just started doing new fender stuff so we're like well i guess we'll go to nam for a day and it was a disaster (laughs) just so so many people and so much going on and that was uh january of 2020 so it was right before everything before shit hit the fan so to speak so I'm pretty sure Nam like is responsible for so much COVID. Oh yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> you know? um, oh God. Is that a cat back there? <laughs> yeah, I got two of them. They they can't sit still when I'm uh, trying to have a meeting. They get jealous and they oh. climb up there. This is Stanley. Who's Stanley. this? Stanley. Stanley. Nice. And the bells over there walking around. <clears throat> but yeah, guitar shows. It's it's a thing, yeah. <laughs> but I know it doesn't work for everybody. You know, there's a lot of our our peers that d- don't do them or don't want to do them or don't see any value in it. And but it's worked fairly well for us. So yeah, yeah. Well, I just love your attitude, man. I mean, you you know you started this thing, and it just seems like you were just dedicated to trying to see this thing through and make it work. And I mean, I've always. I've always been impressed with you, Maddie. When I remember when you were just a young buck down there, playing in bands, doing festivals, all this other shit. It's like, and you just always seem to kind of have your head on straight, man. And and I just always dug that about you. You know, I think, I think I've been for, fortunate and lucky that I started doing things at the maybe not the right time, but the right time in my life. You know, yeah, yeah. and. Um, I've always thought that it's worth giving something a good go and yeah. you know whether it be playing playing in a band or you know doing what i do now or whatnot and um so i appreciate that 
Yeah, and I love it, man. I know uh, when uh, <laughs> back in the day, I don't know if I, I thought I had the sticker on my guitar, but Rick designed the logo for my high school band for one of our like albums. <laughs> oh my God, features. that's right. Yeah. And Cactus. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, uh, I remember bugging you about that. Like I'd, that's I'd so awesome. At Emerald, and you'd be working on the, the website or whatever. And oh my God, I remember that. Like, can you design a logo for my band? That was so cool, <laughs> so dude. Cool. Yeah, I loved it, man. Yeah, I just like I said, you know, you, Richard, just I just I just and you especially, I just remember being in the shop, and you know, you you always had fun, and you were one of the guys, but you were you were young, you were a young kid. And I'm like, fuck, this kid, like, you had kind of a a seriousness about yourself that wasn't bad. It was just like. I don't know. Hard to describe. I was 16, I think. And yeah, young, I was, was bagging groceries at a thriftway down by our, our shop now. And uh-huh. I hated it. And, you know, but I was like, you know, I wanted to have a job. Yeah. And uh, the Emerald City thing just kind of happened. Oh, and cool. you know, getting getting hang out with like you and Derek Pete and Blue Hampton. Oh, John, man, dude, John the cast of characters. Dude, there was there was a there was a like crew down there back in the day. Oh yeah, and, um, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, I learned a lot despite uh, being a literally a kid. Yeah, there were iterations, and it's so funny because look how many things came out of that. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's underground guitars. There's the guitar store. Yeah, there's you know yeah. all these places were all um, together. I love that. I mean, John Croft did like. I mean, he worked for just about every guitar center for a long time. Guitar center. He did ESP. He did PRS. He did Taylor. I, I mean, yeah. he was, you know, and he started at Emerald before yeah. doing that, you know, and everything that those guys are doing now, which is they kind of have like the history channel of guitars going right. on. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. It is. Uh, but it was a it was a fun time to to be a kid and and be in Seattle. I feel like Seattle yeah. is still. Uh, not that there's, you know, not that it's like a bad city or anything now, but it was just a, it was a, I don't know how to say it. It was just, it was, it was, it was a good time. Yeah, yeah, it was different. Yeah. I totally hear you, man. Well, dude, it's so great to talk to you, Frank. We're going to, we should do this again. Yeah. I appreciate I really, you guys. Yeah. I'm um, so glad we ran into you, man. It was so funny. We were having dinner with uh, this friend of my wife. And then I, I just look over and I see Frank and his wife. I'm like, what? And it was so <laughs> cool. That place rules. Dude, I love that, that place. This is great. Yeah, I um, love that place. We, we've gone down there like maybe a, a couple weeks before that. And we're like, uh-huh. the next date night, we're going to go back. And um, we couldn't get a table. So we're like sitting at the bar, which, you know, two parents were like, all right, this is awesome. We're sitting at the bar. <laughs> we'll take what we can get. Yeah. Keep <laughs> yeah. um, them coming. Yeah. Where, where was it? Uh, Fonda La Contrina uh, oh. down in uh, Georgetown. It's okay. like right on Airport Way. Have you been there, Chris? Um, I'm unfamiliar with it. It's no, really I was, good. I was just down in Georgetown this weekend. It's but, really yeah. good. Yeah, their food's great. That's a cool, really cool little neighborhood. Um, it is. I, I've always yeah. loved Georgetown. It's cool down there. Yeah. Georgetown music is gone, it looks like. I was down there this weekend. And- um, so they moved. They oh, moved yeah. uh, in at the beginning of the pandemic to Birian. Um, and they're right like i think in downtown birian and they're still called georgetown music but they're you know operating in birian and i think that was it sounds like talking to those guys a a good move for them good for them i'm glad they're still around i thought they were going on i think birian's maybe a little bit more of a there's a little bit more of like a kind of community there you know and 
Georgetown as cool as it is, like during the week, if, you know, if it wasn't like, you know, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. or whatnot, they, you know, their foot traffic, I guess, was kind of, kind of, kind of lame. Yeah. So, yeah. But cool. Well, yeah. cool, man. Well, we'll let you go, Frank. Thanks so right. much, man. And, Dude, thank and you guys for the... there. Thanks for listening. We really yeah. appreciate it. And we're going to, we're going to have Frank back. It was a good convo, man. Yes, we will and do. I'll try to get out the shop a little more too, man. I, I definitely got to get out. To the Maybe I'm just down the hill and I haven't been up there in a long time. We'll do, uh, we'll do the 20 guitars to watch in 2024. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. All right, buddy. Good night, fellas. Thank you for yeah. having me. Good night. Thanks, yeah. Thank Frank. you so much, Frank. Bye. Love you, buddy. See ya. All right. Bye. Bye.